<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 50 of the Talk Fame podcast with your host, Kylie Mine Tibby. And I'm so excited to have on host of Allison Interviews, Allison Google. Thanks so much for going on, Allison. I'm good. Just chilling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good, thanks. <laughs> Where are you? Huh? Where are you? Where are you located? I'm in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I'm in, well, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, but I'm in Florida at the moment. Oh, really? What yeah. part of Florida are you in? Are you kind of near like Tampa, that area? Uh, no, I'm actually in Palm Beach County, so I'm on the East Coast. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not too far from that. I, mean, I go to Florida like every, like, month, like every year or so. Like, because we have family down there in Florida, so I go down there and see it in, in this kind of business. I really love Florida, so you should go down often yeah but um you were the host of Allison interviews what kind of made you want to start that well I was a print journalist for about 15 or 16 years so I always did entertainment features I always did long-form interviews kind of like I do now but I was a print journalist and I loved being a writer I had no desire to do audio, video, anything like that. I actually am still kind of quite camera phobic. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm the most unvideogenic person like walking the planet, but maybe everybody <laughs> feels like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm the same exact way. Like I'm saying, like I don't like being on video that I'm like, okay, well, if I have to do this for a living, then I have to get used to this. Gotta have to get used to it. Yeah. And and I just everybody kept pushing me. People were like, you know, times are changing got to do a podcast. It's the perfect thing. And I don't know what held me back. I was just really scared to jump into that space for so long. I didn't really understand it. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. And then one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what, it's time. And I was lucky to find a producer who was able to kind of take my hands and walk me through it. So all I have to do is do what I love, which is do my interviews and then it gets edited and it, you know, it gets made to look cute and whatever, whatever they, whatever they do to it. And then it gets distributed. And, and yeah. And like you said, I just had to kind of like brace myself and get used to doing the video thing. And, but now I could like, I could never go back. I love being able to share interviews where people can actually listen and watch and I just feel like it, it brings it to life and now I look back and I'm like what was I waiting for I wish those interviews had been recorded you know like it had been used like this but you live and learn so. yeah I'm the same exact way he's like I started this podcast back in 2021 in the middle of quarantine so like I literally we're basically in the middle of doing nothing stuck at home but it was the time where things were kind of slowing up like you started um, summer, spring, summer. So I was like, well, I kind of wish I started this earlier back in quarantine since we're stuck at home. But like, I wish, like, like I was always a very kind of shy little kid and like scared kid. So I was like, okay, well, how is a shy kid going to do a podcast of her own? That's something that a lot of people do. And I don't talk, like, I don't talk to people I don't know. So I'm like, okay, this is not, this is probably not good for me. Like, this, this is not normal. And so, like, when, and plus, like, I grew up with two journalists, kind of like you, in my family. And so, oh, like, cool. they work for my local news station down the road from me in Pennsylvania. And so, like, yeah, I kind of had some connections there with growing up watching them and stuff. And, like, and they, they, and plus, like, family always told me, like, go do a podcast. Do something that involves journalism, since I knew everything about industry. And, like, I basically knew everything, like, the news, like, basically everything. And so they'll be like, hey, this is your time. I'm like, okay, well, how am I supposed to do that? If I'm, because I'm a very kind of shy kid. And so like, I kind of did like this similar to you. I'm like, okay, I just kind of never took it seriously. I was like, okay, whatever. And went on. And, I, and plus, like, I became a Gina Davis fan. And you previously had her on your podcast. I was in that episode. And so I was like, well, what have, have I done? Like, I'm a Gina Davis fanatic, and, like, I was, like, okay, so, like, when I became a fan of her two, two years ago, I, my perspective changed, changed, and I started a podcast immediately, 
like being like her institute and like everything going on with her i'm like well you, she i was like well gina you did it like you seriously did it for me so i was like okay well i might as well just start this podcast and see if i like it and like as now i think about it i'm like okay well i should start a little earlier than i did how old are you now what was that how old are you now uh 15 i turned 15 are you serious? Yeah, back in September, yeah. You have, like, the whole world at your feet. You're so young. Oh, my God. That, yeah, I mean, I, when I was 15, I don't think I could have ever, like, done something like that. I mean, it was a different world, you know. It was, what, 1990? <laughs> but, I mean, that that's incredible. That I, I, I'm so in awe of your generation because you guys are, like, jumping into careers you know, in high school and from like in high school and from college dorm rooms. I mean, my generation, it just wasn't that way. Like we weren't that enterprising. And I don't think we didn't have that many avenues to be enterprising because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have any digital technology. So it was, everything just seemed like so out of reach. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that is so cool. Yeah, I really like, do. It's like before like, I became like a, an all out, became a quarantine, I was basically at the most battle of my life. Like I was literally battling anxiety, depression. Like I never battled anything like that before. Like I mm -hmm. had anxiety my whole life. So like, it was nothing new. It's just like kind of, I guess, like at home couldn't do things. And so like, I was kind of like, oh, well, like I was basically crying myself to sleep every night. It was horrible. And like, throughout this current pandemic like everyone's basically has been battling anxiety and depression like everyone's been battling something in this past two years and i was like mm -hmm. lucky enough to not be alone and have people talk to that i was basically lucky enough to have that orbit of people to talk to and everything and like yeah and like gina like gina is someone and i can you probably can say this as well like she's someone that can do it everything like she's just someone that's basically good at what she does and like you, she can literally you can say it if you met her or not like you you can see like she's really good at what she does and so like yeah. if like she seriously is an amazing kind of person very badass i, was, I would say very badass person yeah so, i like, i would agree i didn't even know she had until i got in, until i ended up getting in touch with her i didn't even know she had a nonprofit organization. I didn't know she had this institute that was working behind the scenes to really improve the way girls and women are portrayed um, on screen and in the media. And, I mean, I knew that because I have a 12 year old son, I was watching like over the years, I was watching um, like Nickelodeon and Disney and all of the different shows with him. And I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We're really seeing some progression here, but I didn't know that that her organization was playing a, a pretty big part in that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool um, because really change is made through the next generation. And I think that the reason that media and, and television and film is so important is because just like you were saying, so Gina Davis has had a huge impact on your life and influenced you. That's why this stuff is so important because when you are in the public eye, when you are on, you know, recording music or film, television, even like podcasting, whatever it is you're doing, if you have cultivated an audience and a platform, you are affecting people. You are going to inspire people to behave a certain way, think a certain way, maybe even parrot something that, that you say or do. And that's a responsibility. Right, yeah, whether you sure. want it to be or not. Yeah, and for sure, guys. I kind of like you said, like when you're watching things where you're selling like Nickelodeon and stuff. Like I initially grew up watching Nickelodeon, but like mm -hmm. in all those kind of kids' platforms that kids usually see. And so, like as a kid growing up, I never saw myself on screen. Like I was like, okay, these people I don't connect with. Like they don't seem familiar to me. That's probably the right word for it. And like I didn't mm -hmm. kind of realize there are enough like female characters like, like around that type of stuff until I got older. Like I kind of never, since I was a little kid, like it just kind of never occurred to me since I was like, very young. And so it wasn't something I should care about since I was like five years old. 
But as I kind of got older, I kind of took it more seriously. I started being open about it. He's like, if you like seen a couple of years ago, people wouldn't be talking about it. They say be afraid to be discriminated or just kind of people hating on them for what their opinions are. And they think, mm-hmm. oh, like Gina said, like, oh, like it's not possible. It's definitely been fixed, which is not true. And so like, this is something I really want to do on my platforms to get to give women more opportunities and bring bias on media saying women are variety different than men and that they're very treated them differently than men and that like they need to get more opportunities if, if they don't then there would be no progress I'm well like, how how old were you when you um realized because you're still you're still super young but like how old were you when you realized that women were treated differently or um, boys boys were treated differently than girls um, when I first realized it, like I was around 13 years old, I believe I started realizing when I was probably 13, I started kind of seeing it more. And that's when I kind of become like a Gina fan. So that's when I kind of realized like, oh, like I started watching more television and I see like, oh, this is not right. And so like once I came familiar with her research and what she has to say, I think, and I sometimes sit with my mom watching TV and be like, hey, do you realize that like, there's not a lot of like women in the scene like do you think like there should be more women in the scene or something like that and so mm-hmm. like, she'll be like yeah you're right like that's right so I, and I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking myself um my mom should be teaching me this not me teaching her right and, right <laughs> and so it was basically me trying to teach my mom something because I knew something a lot of things about it and Gina like she's someone that like basically like she's like are, I'm not thinking of myself like are you kidding me like why does someone like her change your life like I, you never met her or seen her or anything I'm like that's how media can help you betray like if you've seen people like you like then that's what you do like if you've seen someone like Gina like come as such an impact like there's not a lot of people that do what she does and so yeah. I was like oh, wow, like, what do you, what, what I have to do? Like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, if someone has touched me that much, even though I never met her, I feel, it feels like I've met her in some type of way. Because we have so much kind of outside connections, I'll be like, oh, well, like, what do you got me, what do you got me to say? Like, for instance, there's like no one that does what she does. I'm just like very thankful for what she does and everything. So she doesn't do, in a sense, there's not a lot of people that do this. People are basically hitting on women for what? Right. And so, like, you have, like, interviewed so many people, such as Jody Sweeten, Michael Phillips, Gina Davis, and so many amazing people. Do you have any guests that you interviewed that meant the most to you personally or just kind of in general? Uh, that's a tough one because I, I don't really they're, – they're, each of them are such unique experiences – not to, I know that's like a cop out, but they're all they're all unique in their own way, and I'm always like surprised and delighted each with each interview I do, you know, like each of them. Because um, for me, it's it's getting to know who this person is, learning about what makes them tick, what their personality is like, and I just kind of delight in that because I've just always been a biography nerd. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> me too. That's like, I'm like a biography nerd and a frustrated therapist, like yeah. combined. <laughs> so, yeah. no. um, so I just love learning about people. And I can't really say that there's one where I'm like, wow, this one just meant, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Okay. So I, when I was, when I was in my twenties, I really grew attached to Shania Twain's music. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my twenties, I really struggled. I had like, my early twenties were a mess. I had like a million odd jobs. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I just, I was just like really struggling and I just would always drive. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And so I, you could drive through the hills. So I would drive through the hills and I would listen to her, her music. And it just always brightened my spirits for whatever reason, I just kind of connected to it. So when I interviewed her, I think it was like, it was right before the pandemic really hit. So I think it was like February of 2020. 
that I interviewed her. And that was magical for me because I got to say to her, I was like, listen, when I was in my 20s and my life was a mess and I would like really be distraught, I would get in my car and I would play your music and I would drive around and it would just completely transform my spirit, you know? And so it was a beautiful experience to get to tell her that. Oh, for sure. There's now like, yeah. there's so many people that you get to meet that, that really touch your life when you're at your worst. And that's what kind of, there's so many people that help me when I'm at my worst. But when I interviewed Mass Watkins, she was on the American Idol and she's a singer songwriter. And I listened to her for like a long time since like early, probably 2021, I started listening to her. And like, and I immediately, now I was at a, still at the toughest spot of my life, anxiety, depression. So I was still at the lowest. And I would literally put on my headphones and listen to music. And like when I literally put on her music, I remember just getting up and start dancing, like just start enjoying my life, me being happy. Like that's like when I'm happy. Like she, like when I'm depressed, I would just put on my headphones and listen to her music. Like that's like a person that would be listening up and basically at my lowest and helps me get up and dance and just shake off things are happening and like when I interviewed her back in 20 September 2021 I got to interview her for my birthday and I was like oh. I said you have I was like your music has impacted me so much like I was just in shock and I was like your music has picked me up at my lowest like you music helped me at my lowest I just want to thank you and she was just the sweetest about it and I was like oh my god this can't be happening and like I was just seriously like am I was never been that happy interviewing someone before so I was like god how yeah and I that's, just, a, I, that's really nice and so like I remember like just losing it out the interview like I was like shaking I was just I was just insane like there's so many people <laughs> that like I interviewed that I kind of love in the door as like a young kid that I kind of freaked out over but I never kind of freaked out like that before I've never kind of like been kind of starstruck before yeah. I've never been at that starstruck interviewing someone, which was pretty cool. Kind of, I never, I not control myself. But I was like, okay, well, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, this is horrible. But like, I'm me. I'm gonna see um, Gina next week. I, I we're speaking in North Carolina, so I don't know how I'm gonna react to that and stuff. Because I might meet her next week since my mom got the VIP ticket. So I'm not sure how oh, to react no. to that. I'm probably gonna, I feel like I'm going to pass out, but I know I do. No, she's the nicest person. Like, yeah, she's, I know. she's such a nice person. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, like, I, and now I'm thinking to myself, like, and my grandma's like, Kylie, you're probably going to pass out before you go to school. <laughs> yeah, before you pass out, I'm like, don't tell me that right now, grandma, or else you're going to kill me right now, or else you're going to make me think about it and actually pass out. But like, have you, uh, when, when you're about to interview someone, how do you really get to, how do you really kind of prepare for the interviews? Like, how do you kind of normalize, like, how, okay, well, this is what I need to do. How do you come up with usually what the topics for interview and stuff like that? Uh, well, so I, like, being the nerd that I am, I get very caught up in doing the job, okay? Yeah. So I, I really, like, my attention shifts from who the person is to more like, I want to make sure I do the most thorough, best interview of this person that's ever been done before. You know, like, yeah. I want to make sure that my interview with this person is the best one. Yeah, and I want to make sure that it like gets all over the news. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. like, for me, it's like the Super Bowl, like, because <laughs> yeah. this is what I do. So for me, like, I'm researching, I'm, you know, I'm reading, I'm watching, I'm, I'm really researching everything. And then I, I put a lot of thought into the questions. Um, you know, I, I really put a lot of thought into, into the questions in terms of my interviews are kind of like spiritual, philosophical. Uh, so I really try to kind of, it, it has that like tilt to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I try to create like a really balanced piece on the person. So that's really where my head is at. And then what's weird with me is that sometimes I literally will not even have one question written. I'll wake up the morning of, and it's all downloaded into my brain. Yeah. And so I just run downstairs and just type out all my questions. And then, um, I mean, now that I'm doing it like this, I, I usually end up, I mean, this is embarrassing, but I usually 
spend like an hour and a half doing like hair and makeup and figuring out what I'm going to wear and testing the lighting. Please. <laughs> I'm the exact way. I'm like, okay, wait, when I try to figure out something, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to wear this. I'm going to switch this out. Like, I'll figure more yeah. out. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of the worst for me. It's like, is this okay? Like, I'm literally going downstairs asking my mom, is this okay? Okay. Like, am I okay? Is this okay? Like, I'm literally. Yeah, like, it's. It's horrible. And then, like, I don't know. What's weird for me is that it's never, I think maybe twice I looked back at the footage and I was like, I nailed the lighting. I nailed the makeup, you know, most yeah. of the time. But it, yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I would say, like, 15 minutes, 15 minutes before the person comes on, I get this, like, rush of nervous energy. Mm -hmm. And those last 15 minutes before we both come on here, I, I it's like, it's like that really uncomfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I try to do is I'll either, if it's like too much, I'll, I'll do like some jumping jacks or just run in place just to get it out. Mm -hmm. um, or I'll maybe I'll sit here and I'll just read a little bit while I'm waiting for them to come on. Cause I know that as soon as they come on, and I say hello, and they say hello, it's like, it's good. Like, yeah. it, that all just, that all just goes away. Yeah, that's how I am. Like, when I'm before an interview, depending on the person is, I'm, like, always nervous, or just kind of mm -hmm. a little, a little joy of excitement. I'm like, okay, like, how do I do this? I'm usually either put on, like, this running wrong, like, sometimes when I'm nervous, I eat my feelings out. So I, just, <laughs> I literally just eat something that eat my feelings out or like or just put music on and so start dancing to get my mind out I don't know why but it's weird because I eat my feelings out for some reason I just eat something to help my feelings come out for some reason it's weird but it's like it's kind of funny to think if you think about it and like once a person person comes on like you said I'm like okay well just kind of like once a person says a lot I'm like okay I'm good now I'm good like it feels like it feels like it were kind of like a relief side for me. yes a relief because like, yeah. you're like okay well this is good like i'm kind of calm now i can focus on myself and focus on interview like i feel real good yeah and like yeah so as soon as the person good. says hi and they smile and you're like oh okay you know, or it's like if you jumped out of an airplane, right? So like while you're waiting to jump, you're like, oh my God, you know, not that I've ever done it or ever would, but <laughs> you know, it's like, but as soon as you jump, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like why worry about it now? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And so besides you having your own podcast, you wrote a book called Journaling Fame, a memoir of a life unhinged and on the record. Oh. Yeah, it's right here. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I love how you have it behind you. I love how you just keep it in store. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, I need a set, and I don't really know that this is much of a set, but I figured it looks cute, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What, but what kind of inspired you to write that? I actually started writing it in uh, the fall of 2012, because I, I always, I too suffered from like anxiety and panic attacks, um, mm -hmm. as, as well as bouts of depression and OCD from yeah. the time I was eight. Um, so I just kind of in, endured it and struggled with it on and off from the time I was a little kid, you know, all the way up. And then when I was, when I got divorced, um I was in my late 30s and this was in this was at the end of 2012 I got separated and I experienced like the worst extended episode of anxiety I've ever experienced in my entire life it went on for two months and I was just it was like non-stop panic attacks and it was it was really weird it was it was horrific actually and um you know I was able to find like the right medical team and and kind of get everything back on track but during that time I started journaling everything that I was feeling and experiencing like even like um trips to the ER being put on tranquilizers n nobody really knowing at first like what to do for me uh, I was like in and out of the ER so I would go to the ER uh, in a complete state of just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It, it. it just this complete state of acute panic 
and my whole body would be shaking and they would they would give me um, drugs. They'd give me Ativan or Xanax or whatever they'd give me. They'd calm me down and stabilize me and send me on my way. Well, then guess what? A few days later, same thing again and again. And it was like crazy until I finally was able to get everything back on track and get healthy. So the whole time I'm journaling these experiences, everything I'm feeling, everything I'm thinking, and then remembering back to when I was a kid and going through a lot of this stuff, like experiencing OCD for the first time when I was maybe around my the age that my son is now. And all of a sudden I was like getting these weird thoughts that I had to like check, check the door a bunch of times or check a window a bunch of times or touch something a bunch of times. And I didn't, it was like, it was like being in a weird maze or fun house. Like I didn't know what was going on for so many years, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started writing to just figure it all out. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll turn this into a book. But then I remembered I had this dream. I had already been a journalist for about six or seven years by that point. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I was like, yeah, but my dream was always to write a book about my experience as an entertainment journalist and doing my interviews. And then I thought, well, why don't I just combine both and do and do both? So it ended up being, it, it kind of reads like a diary. A lot of people have told me, they're like, I feel like I'm reading your diary. It, that's, that's, kind of, that's, kind of, that's kind of the way I wrote it. But it's a combination of my experiences living with anxiety and panic and OCD and depression on and off for like the first half of my life. Plus all of the experiences I had in the first, like I would say six or seven years of my career as an entertainment journalist. So that's what the book is about. And, um, and then I, it was, it was, the book was a great vehicle because I ended up being able to do speaking engagements and, and speak to a lot of people about my journey and how I got better and be able to share that information with other people, which was really cool. Yeah, for sure. Like, I kind of had, like, a similar kind of experience as you had. Like, when I got diagnosed with anxiety disorder last year, in, in March of last year, back when kind of the pandemic kind of hit. Well, mm -hmm. well, one year after the pandemic hit, I was getting 2020 for some reason, but um, I got really sick back in, I think it was, it was June of 2020, I think it was. It was somewhere around that time, June 2020, and I got really sick. And like I thought, oh, like I think it's probably that's my I think I just probably ate something, it's probably not big a deal, I'll just go back, get down probably a couple of hours. But that just mm -hmm. wasn't the case. And so I was sick for weeks, like I was in and out of the ER and the doctors and no one knew what was wrong. They put on me on medicines and like just gave me all these kind of painkillers and stuff like that, and nothing really helped. And I literally it was really the worst thing I had ever faced. And I remember just sitting down with my mom in her room, just crying, like, why am I going through this? This stinks, like, why do I have to go through this? And, like, most of the time I was laying down. Most of the time I was laying down all day, every day, to the point where, like, when I walk, my legs are all wobbly, like, I'm going to lay down. Like, like I'm going to, like, fall down, and I, I had this lay, this yeah. lay down because I didn't want to feel it. And, like, I didn't mm -hmm. know at the time. Like, I was, I was like, oh, it's probably a symptom of the sickness. But, like, I, after a million doctor's appointments and stuff, the doctor told me that I was in my anxiety. I was like, doing all this sickness and everything. I was like, this is not what I thought of. Like, this is, I knew I had a little anxiety about it. Like, I knew I was getting anxiety, but I never knew it, it was kind of taking control over it. Mm -hmm. And stuff, and, like, and they just put me on medication and everything. I'm like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I was like, are you like, are you like joking with me or something? Is this some kind of joke? And like, I was like, this is horrible. And like, I'll do I to, like, is this going to be like a, my whole, like a whole life thing? And like, and they're like, no, this are part time. And this until I need it. Like, yeah, take it when you like, you feel like you're better and everything. Just take it. Like, doesn't matter. It may take years, months. Just take it. And like, I took it, and like I was like, okay, well, like what? Well, nothing has changed, and a couple months of taking it, I'm like, okay, this feels, I feel good, like this feels good. I started living like normal again, and I was seeing myself like last month, and I was like, oh well, like I always kind of like wanted to write a book, like you said, like I always kind of like wanted to write a book, like 
kind of similar to you about my life being in the industry and like my journey with anxiety and depression and everything like that. And I was like, why not do that? And like, why not just try that and like write and see how it goes. And like, if you need help, just reach out with the people and see what they have, like what their opinions are. And so back in like January, it was around Gina's birthday. It was on Gina's birthday, actually. I started writing the book and I was like coming up with ideas. And I remember when I was going to take a nap one day and I remember trying to fall asleep. I just remember my brain popping up with ideas and there are a million ideas popping in my brain. And I remember just running it down and I, this this I was in the middle of writing typing and all those things but like it's just crazy how much anxiety can really change your life no matter what it is like anxiety is yeah. a horrible type of thing and like it's a thing that this whole pandemic can really change your life and cause anxiety depression for you yeah yeah but but I think that um I mean everybody has their own belief system but I think that the thing that that is really important for whether it's anxiety, depression, because they sometimes they kind of go hand in hand. They're like two sides of the same coin, kind of. But for me, when I really embraced the concept of the fact that my life, and and this may not be something that you fully understand until you get a little bit older. Yes. But I I embraced the concept that my life was not about me that my life was about all of the people that I touch, all -hmm. of the people around me and about serving something greater than me. Mm -hmm. And once I really understood that, I really, it it really changed the way that I, the way that I view the world and the way that I view my place in the world. And it really helped me to heal. Mm -hmm. So your life, is like a pebble dropped into a pond, mm-hmm. right? And those yeah. those ripples just keep going and going and going. And they, it may go for miles, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where you can't even see the effect anymore. And that's really how it works. And we're all connected. So when you see, when, when you're in a situation where you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed, Yes, it's important to to tune into that to know if maybe you're in a situation in life that you shouldn't be in, for example, you know, like, let's say you're in a a, a bad relationship, or maybe you're in a career that's not right for you, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, then sometimes your emotions can signal to you that something's not quite right, I need to make changes in my life. But if it's more of a chronic situation, the best thing that you can do is say to yourself, wait a second, why am I living so much in my own head and in my own body and not focusing enough on what's going on in the world? And I don't mean like on your phone, like Instagram and all that crap. I mean, what's going on in your community, in your church or synagogue, um, friends, family, um, helping other people, being of service in some way and getting out of your own your own head and 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 that's really what what worked for me and i and i just really think that that is something important to to keep in mind because i really do see a kind of a mental health crisis happening these days yeah and i think that too many people are going down like a a rabbit hole inside their own mind yeah right yeah and so, mm-hmm. like, when I kind of first got, like, was trying to feel better once I started kind of clearing up a little bit before I got even got into medicine, like, I usually, like, when I was kind of up to going do something, I usually call my friend that lives on my block that we, we, we will go on walks every day. And so, just to get out of the house, just kind of give me walking. These doctors yeah. that I need to be walking, like, I was having struggling walking and stuff, so I was like, okay, like, I, what's maybe what's playing that everyday walk sometime when you're available like or mm-hmm. when I'm feeling up to it like what's going on a walk every day or something and we right. all usually go on a walk every day around the block or just kind of around the neighborhood because I live in like this little kind of development so we'll walk around the, my whole development or as long as I can go because my legs sometimes I feel like oh I'm gonna fall then like I was like in like this is a little thing it's like don't like stay in the house all day and just try and think oh you're not going to get better you just have to try things that work for you 
like even if just go, go for walks or drive somewhere to go to the park or something, like either what works for you. Or you even mm -hmm. just go on a bike ride, listen to music, like listen to podcasts or something, either one. In, in, yes. Maybe try to walk off and just try to get your mind off and just try to work on your mental health. Yeah, because that's like a thing that people are mostly struggling with is mental health and they don't know how to deal with it. And like that's perfectly fine. Like everyone has some resources in the world and everyone has a place where they can help you, either it's in your area or it's kind of like a close like family member or friend or just kind of like a connection you have. There's always mm -hmm. always like a very connection you have. Yeah, to, going for walks, uh, getting outside, fresh air in your lungs, exercise and talking to a friend is great. Yeah, that's great. like that's what I did. I've been, she's been my friend since childhood. So she was basically, and she struggles with anxiety as well. She, so she knew everything while I was going through and she connected with me about everything. And like when I, she literally sat there and was very calm about it. She's like, if you need to talk, like, call me I'll come down to your house like I'll walk down and I'll you, you, you're, I can chat with you if you need me to I was like well at least I can have someone there and I can walk down to her house or or she'll walk up here because it's only like a two minute walk from me to my house or her house so it's not that bad yeah. and like even if it's just talk like going a little walk or just come over and just chat or something or hang out it's always something more meaningful even if it's a small conversation or something it's always better meaningful yes and so do you have anyone that you look up to as a journalist or a host of a podcast or just kind of in general mm. well I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, like when I was a teenager, I would say I would walk, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I, if there's anyone that I necessarily looked up to per se, but I would watch Oprah's interviews a lot. Um, I would watch, who else did I, I always liked I always favored conversational interviews. Mm -hmm. So while people like Katie Couric and Diane Sawyer are great, they're more, um, their questions were always more news oriented. Whereas I, I always gravitated towards the conversational interviews, you know, like um, with, with Oprah, it was very conversational and she always wanted to, you know, like with her super soul Sunday that she does where it's, it's like a very deep dive into a spiritual conversation. And um, I, that always really appealed to me. When I was when I was your age or maybe a little bit older, I used to listen to Howard Stern all the time. I thought he was just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was kind of like the Joe Rogan of his day. Yeah. Um, so I, I I always thought, well, this is so much fun, you know. Like, God, I I want to do something like this one day. This would be that would be really cool. But I don't know that there's any one person where I was like. Oh, and I, as a kid, I would watch Barbara Walters specials with my mom. That was a thing back in the day. She, the Barbara Walters special, she would interview some really big celebrity of the day, and it would be this big, like, hour-long sit-down. Uh, and that was kind of a big deal. So that, that stuff always intrigued me. But I never thought, like, I want to be, like, that person. It was, it was never really like that. Um, I, I really just kind of stuck to my own personality, my own vibe and way of doing things, I would say. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. Like, I can literally say, name a few people like, in terms of people I look up to. But, like, as we kind of talked about, Gina is the main one for me. Like, if someone, like, when I, my mom will be watching TV, like, once she, if, once she comes on TV or something, she yell, Kylie, come downstairs, look at that It's true. And I'm like, I was like, and sometimes I think, like, what the heck is she doing now? This is probably just some random person she liked when she was younger or someone. And then when I come down, I'm like, oh, well, she got me now. Well, <laughs> and I have to sit down and watch this now. That's kind of how she did it, does it to me. And, like, when she'll calm me down and watch, sit down with me and, like, watch like, interviews and stuff. And that's kind of like you did. Like, you sit down and watch interviews. Even mm -hmm. if it's just, like, a two-minute conversation or something, I'll just be like, okay, this is cool. Like, I want to do that. Like, this is very cool. And, like, I always wanted to, like, be, like, a little journalist. Because I always sometimes, during quarantine, get myself busy. I usually 
write questions down and ask my parents these questions. And it never oh, kind of cool. occurred to me that I would be a journalist like this. And so I just kind of did it as like a little kind of something to do, just kind of something kind of a little funny to do, something busy, keep myself myself busy. And so yeah. I never occurred to me that I would be asking questions to other people. And so like I was like, oh well, like this is kind of insane to think about like once you're doing it, but like it just otherwise it's really just fun to do it. All it cares about is if you like it or not, and if you're having fun doing it. Oh, my. Oh, sorry, you froze. You froze or I froze. Yeah, and so, like, the most kind of important thing, is, like, is this, the more, like, like, with the pandemic and everything, like, you can really change in everything, like, with the whole, like, since you had a lot of time, you can always figure out what you want to do, like, in sense of figuring out, like, what you want to do and, like figure out questions and figure out like, what you kind of want to be in the future. And that's kind of what it has done for me. So like when I want to. Can you see me? Oh yeah, I can see you. Okay. okay. Yeah. We froze there for a minute. Yeah. And so like, as I was kind of saying before, like, the, the pandemic has really kind of, kind of shaped, like kind of found um, our kind of careers as mm-hmm. like, people and kind of had time to connect with what we want to do and how much things mean to us. And that's exactly what it has for me is like, I have time to think about how much my family means to me. Like I never have time to think about how much my family means to me until the pandemic and like what I kind of wanted to be. And this is once I started a podcast, I was like, okay, this is something I kind of want to do. And like, I think this is something I want to pursue when I'm older. But like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's this pandemic has been more for everyone in many different ways, but it's also been a time for everyone to think about what they want to do and what they kind of want to pursue and everything. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And so the final question is, um, what is some advice for younger generations that like to be a host and journalist one day? For people that want to be journalists? Yeah. Oh my God, host of a podcast. Oh, okay. Um, Oh gosh. Well, I would say that because I was thinking about this earlier today, I think that in anything that you want to do, so um, I think this applies to anything. Uh, well, first of all, for journalism specifically, become, become a voracious reader, read a, read a ton, uh, study your craft, take it seriously, because it, to me, I see it as an art. Yeah. So take it, take it seriously. Um, I also think it's good to learn all facets of journalism. Like for me, I can tell you that doing interviews, um, either face-to-face or on the phone for so many years and writing them up in print was a, an amazing training ground before yeah. jumping in. I don't think I could have just jumped into this, me personally. I think I needed that foundation. So I think learning all facets of journalism is great. Mm-hmm you know, learning how to, how to do for, for print, maybe for, you know, podcast, radio, television, really learning how to do multimedia journalism is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that for a younger generation, the most important thing is do not underestimate the power of your imagination and your goals and your ambition, because really the most successful people in the world were people who simply did not take no for an answer and did not give up and continued to keep trying and finding new innovative ways to knock on doors and to get things done. But Mm -hmm. you can't underestimate the power of the human imagination. Mm -hmm. And you can't be afraid to dream big because I think a lot of times we're, we're, we're conditioned to believe that if we dream big, we are, um, we're somehow being conceited, you know, we think that some, maybe we're better than other people or, you know, um, or maybe we're embarrassed by our dreams because they seem somewhat unrealistic or, you know, it's just people are kind of feel cringy about dreaming big, you know, for, for whatever reason, but you have to, like, you have to dream big and you have to believe in the power of your own imagination. Because if you think about it, everything that we have in this world started in somebody's imagination. Mm -hmm. And really, that's that's the best advice that I can give. Like, learn how to be a master manifester. Learn how to take 
what's in here and figure out how to materialize it in the 3D world, whatever that is that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. Like when, like, it doesn't matter, right? There might be people better than you at your position. You can always, like, someday you might be better than this person at what you do. And it doesn't matter what people really think about your dreams or what you want to be. It only cares about you. If you want to pursue this thing, whether it's like a doctor, doctor or musician or whatever it is, you can pursue that. If that's what you want to pursue, if it makes you happy, then go and pursue that. That's something mm -hmm. that kind of kept me back my childhood personally, is that like I kind of kind of felt like, like I kind of felt like I like based off my experience, like I'll based off my things what, that I want to do on people, based on people. And so like I didn't want to do things based off what people think or how people are gonna treat me and stuff. So that's how that that really stopped me as a little kid. And my parents mm -hmm. will often say to me, like, Kylie, you shouldn't care. If you just if this is what you want to try, then try it. Don't like mm -hmm. don't care about other people. If you want to do private lessons, then do private lessons. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, well, like I don't really care what you say. Like I just I'm just kind of a little nightmare. It was my kind of my anxiety kind of hitting me a little bit. And so mm -hmm. I was like, okay, now I think about it nowadays. And I'm like, okay, why did I not? Why did I? give this a try why didn't I let people change on what I'm trying to do and right. so that's like the biggest opportunity it's like every, every opportunity you have you should get no matter if you don't like it or if you do like it you should always take it because you don't know how much it's going to change your life and how many opportunities you might get from your job or just like out of like interview let's just say kind of like what we're doing you might get a lot of opportunities you might get like a bigger audience on your podcast or social media like you might get a bigger audience and people mm -hmm. will kind of start coming up to you and be like okay you have impacted so much from your story your podcast like that's really the biggest thing if you want to do that if you want to change so many lives and have like audience and need to you need to grow reach out to people and mm -hmm. like say like okay can i come on your podcast i'd love to come on and talk with you and, like that's like why do i have some messages out this, if you want to be on podcast or just try to get on a news outlet or something, reach out, some messages, some messages, mess, oh, I can't, messages, and like, that's what <laughs> I do, I can't speak today for some reason, but um, like, that's seriously, like, I do, if you want to be on a news station, if you want to be big, if you want to grow an audience, that's what you have to do, you have to reach out, try to maybe reach out to people and ask for their advice, and mm -hmm. so like, I, like, if you want to be on industry if you want to be big someone like Hugh Jackman or some big A-listers are basically very popular popular right now try to reach out to people big names or someone they kind of have a connection with or just someone news outlets or podcasts or whatever it is reach out and see if you can go on the podcast or news outlet or something or ask for their advice yeah they'll give it to you and you might grow in that advice or that outcome yeah, you have to keep you have to keep knocking on doors and you also have to be okay with hearing no just as often as you hear yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's you know, you have to be able to take it on the chin and just keep on going. You can't let no make you make you cower in a corner or feel bad or doubt your vision. You have to just keep going because I hear no all the time. I hear yes a lot and I hear no a lot. That's just you have to just say to yourself that's this is business and you know and no just means not right now and then you have to and your job is to collect as many yeses as possible as you go yeah that's what like kind of the biggest like biggest part for this industry brand is the notes like people always say no whether there's like they're, if they're busy schedule or they're not interested in doing that's kind of what we get off that's like having a podcast and stuff like we get off and get notes even if if it's someone that we look up to and just kind of love for what they do, they say no, if they're busy or this, they're not interested. It's very hard to deal with no. It's like very hard once you first start out. It was like that for me. I was like, okay, well, uh, why am I even trying? Like, if I'm going to get no, no, you can't. And like, you have to I'm understand that <clears throat> no is people's default setting. Yeah. Like, you know how everything, like, on your phone has a default setting? Yeah. Yeah. No is everybody's default setting. Do you want? Nope. 
You want to, nope. <laughs> you know, that's everybody's like instinct. So it's like, then how do you break through that? Right. Yeah. And so it's like, if, well, if, let me try it this way. Let me try it this way. Let me try it this way, where maybe I just need more time. Let me accomplish these other things and then circle back. And you just have to, you just have to like, you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is it. And you just, you just keep going. And your job is to find all of the people that are interested. Right. And you, mm -hmm. then you, you build it up like that. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of how I them like if I wanted to get someone big on that like like it, that are very difficult to be on I'm like and my parents be like Kylie you need to grow your podcast a little bit you need to find more guests before you have this person on like if you right. want to have someone like Patrick Dempsey on that you love in the door which I, I Patrick Dempsey is one of my idols and stuff someone I love in the door so much and I'm like and they're like Kylie before you reach out grow your audience a little bit try to do that first yeah and get more guests on based off like their connections they might like they might find your podcast and might reach out right that's kind of how like i think about it. i'm like okay well if i wanted to be a guest on this podcast or if i want to have this person on you need to have connections if you someone has talked to this person get that connection ask them for what their their advice is and what they can get for you that's mm -hmm. like really the most important things that ask for connections, ask people like, okay, how do you need to get this person? Or how did, mm -hmm. how did you chat with this person? Or how did you meet this person? And based off their connections, they can get more of a concept of what they did to have this person on as a guest. Right. That's like, person, that's like something I kind of gained on as a kid. And as I grow on, I'm like, okay, well, how did you have this person on? Or how, like, did you, how did you get this guest on? Did you reach out through Instagram? Or did they have, like, a foundation or something mm -hmm. you reach out? And, like, that's kind of how I gain it. And I'm like, okay, it's, I get no, them will keep, like, trying. If they don't answer, I'm going to keep trying. No matter right. how long it takes. It might take months, days, years. It takes right. time to get the person, no matter how yeah. big or small they are. Right. Exactly. Agreed. And so I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're amazing. It was so good to speak with you. And Likewise. I, and so, yeah, you're amazing. And it was so great to speak with you. Thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye, Kylie.